also. I'm Emma Wells. That's EJ Winstrom. This is Fantasy Girls Geeking While Female Valentine's Day Special. Woo! We're talking star-crossed lovers. Star-crossed lovers. <laughs> By the way, I got like really in my head and I was like, wait, what is star-crossed lovers? So I ended up looking it up because they got kind of turned around. Is it like lovers who are like fated to be together? Because obviously it comes from Romeo and Juliet. But then I got in my head about, like, is it about being, like, fated to be together no matter what? Or is it about, like, being from, like, there's too much in your way. Like, you're fated to be, like, divided no matter what. Which it is for anyone else who's incredibly turned around and confused. What did you find (laughs) out? Because I did not even look into it. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping all my research still makes sense. It's the latter. It's about, like, there's, the world has cast you apart. And I just wanted to say, so I have some interesting thoughts. I'm excited. I think, okay, <laughs> so friends, our, our most streamed episode to date was last year's 2020 Valentine's Day episode. And I was like, okay, I wonder why, I wonder what that is. I mean, it's a jam up episode. Like, it's pretty freaking great. If I do say so myself, it's one of my personal favorites. <laughs> All the downloads were M. I have... Many personal favorites. <laughs> <laughs> that was just me. I just listened to it over and over. Over and over. <laughs> but I got to thinking. I was like, okay, no, but it makes sense. Because in publishing and in movies, like, I don't know. I feel like romance is a very safe space for women. And now it's getting more diverse and it's a, a safer space for all women. And it's it's a very female-centric genre. Um, and it's growing and it's 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 being more inclusive each year. I mean, there's always work to be done, but it's a very female-focused genre. And this podcast is about geeking while female. So we have these two topics, and we have mushed them together into just this love bundle of an episode, and voila, it's it's doing good. And so hopefully this one will too. I hope so. I did some thinking for this one. There you go. So, all right, what do you got? What's your favorite star-crossed lovers of science fiction and fantasy? I got a couple. I have a couple, but I guess I will start with my favorite, favorite. And this is funny because EJ has the notes and I just, I have screen grabs because I'm so ADD. But, you know, I don't know if I should start with my favorite or if I should work up to my favorite. What do you think? Let's work up. Okay, we'll work up. So I'll start with some of my other ones that are more, um, they still fit the profile, but they're not like my personal favorites. And so star-crossed lovers, again, were like torn apart, right? Yes, like separated by circumstances. And do they have to have a happily ever after in the end or can that... Is that debatable? Well, and so so the the original star-crossed lovers, because this is a direct quote, reference to Shakespeare was Romeo and Juliet and we know how that ends right not a happy ending unless you really hated reading Romeo and Juliet which I did so it was great to see you know everything fall apart at the end but no not happy for the lovers in that one <laughs> that was the original everything title falls everything falls apart, apart at the end <laughs> <laughs> it's shit from here that would be if it was a YA novel nowadays <laughs> everything falls apart at the end and other dilemmas <laughs> what would you name Romeo and Juliet if it came out today because it wouldn't be Romeo and Juliet 
Well, and that's such an interesting question because there's so many takes on Romeo and Juliet that are modern takes on it, including, I have to say, one of the uh, titles on my list tonight is Romeo and Juliet Inspired, and that is Saga, which is a comic book by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. I have talked about this book before, Uh, but the two heroes of this uh, story, Alana and Marcus, are, this is a space opera, first of all, so everything happens in outer space in a galaxy far, far away from Earth. There's like no normal humans at all. So they are of separate alien races that have been warring for decades, and they are soldiers both for their sides. And they meet each other because Alana is a prisoner of war being guarded by Marcus and his troop of soldiers. And then he helps her escape, and they get married and have a baby. And then both sides of the war are, like, in hot pursuit of them at the start of this. And don't they have, like, a ghost nanny? (laughs) Yes, they do. Yes, I remember the ghost nanny. (laughs) They have a ghost nanny who who died in an explosion. So she's actually just, like, her top half and her guts are hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) It's so great. And then there's, like, this tree rocket ship at one point. Like, I cannot say enough about this comic book it is so zany and uh the fiona staples is i would follow her anywhere just to like worship her because the illustrations she does for this comic book and probably elsewhere are just so stunning and they really max out the wild imaginative potential of being in like a space opera fantastical world like this And they go to so many different planets and there's like this one world that's like the entire planet is just this like sex playland. And so you get into some... Wait, what? The entire world is a sex playland. You heard that correctly. (laughs) Oh, playland. I thought you said plant. Oh, what? No, like a playland. Like a... Like um, like. Like a, like a mushroom, like a horny mushroom. <laughs> no, like and so like about. it, like it's all, it's like a theme park. Gotcha. And so like they really go some weird directions with that and just lean into it. And then like there's these incredibly amazing creatures that are aliens or yeah, whatever else. And it's, it's great. But uh, the heart of the story really is this uh, relationship be- between Alana and Marcus. And uh, that is definitely a star-crossed lovers type of deal. And everyone's in hot pursuit of them to kill them because of their betrayals to their people and it's great it sounds great i so another romeo this one isn't on my list but when you were saying there's like so many romeo and juliet reimaginings do you remember the zombie one warm bodies i do know what you're talking about i haven't seen it i haven't read the book but i did watch the movie and i remember thinking it was pretty funny like it was pretty cute so you'll have to check that out Well, my first one isn't a Romeo and Juliet retelling. And when I was kind of doing research for this episode, I had actually forgotten about this movie. It's based on a book, but I saw this originally a long time ago. And then I rewatched it, I don't know, like a year or two ago. And now I want to rewatch it again because it's one of those that every time I watch it, it's a little bit stronger. I don't know if it's where I'm at in my life or... Or what? Like, I feel like there's several movies like that. That every time you watch them, you kind of notice something different. So it is definitely on my rewatch. And it is Never Let Me Go. Oh, my you know goodness. What Have you seen that? Yes. I was yeah. not prepared for what I was getting into when I watched that. 
Oh, me neither. The first time I saw it, um, it was before like all the streaming services and it was, I just think on like one of the cable channels and I had no idea. And I was like, Oh my God. Um, and so I have Kathy and Tommy from never let me go. And for those of you who have not seen this movie, the whole idea is in a, it's, it's not really in a future world. It's in an alternate world. Cause I think it's in like an alternate 1990s UK is where it takes place. And it does have a trope that I've seen in several things, and it's where clones are created for the sole purpose of having their organs harvested for those who are organically born, and they don't know it. <laughs> like, there's been several takes on this, but this one is definitely the most understated, hard-to-watch, sad, soul-crushing, everything I love. And you have these two people, and it starts out when they're kids, and they're at this school, and it's called... Hold on, I had to write it down because I'm not a details person. I am a big picture person. Oh, I don't have the name of the school. Can you believe that? But anyway, they start out at this school and it's like this boarding school. And they don't know why they're there. They're kept separate from the rest of society. And their teachers are kind of like their guardians. And they just don't really let them know what's going on until one day a teacher clues them in on it. And it's basically just the story of these too and like well it's told from the point of view of Kathy and like her um take on the whole thing growing up and if you do what you're created to do you're the clone and you have your organs harvested and you die they call that completing so if you haven't completed by a certain age you can have the opportunity to become a caretaker and so that's kind of what she does. She becomes a caretaker. And um, as an adult, she sees like some people she's gone to school with uh, over time. And finally, there's the boy that she always kind of had a thing for on and off. And he's already made like two donations and she becomes his caretaker. And they hear this rumor that, okay, if clones really fall in love and they have the capacity for love, they can get a deferral and not have to uh, complete. And they kind of believe this all in uh and they they track down like the headmistress from their old school and like somebody that would really know and she's just like no I'm sorry that's not a thing because the whole thing the reason they thought that was true was because they were always doing these art projects and they thought that I don't remember exactly how but they, they thought that that was showing if they had the capacity to love and if you were if you fell in love then then you could get a deferral and she's like no we were just exploring to see if clones had souls and that's why we had y'all do this art and so it's just this really dark ending because it in the end Tommy completes and she goes on her life and it, it is just the most tragic thing ever and probably wildly inappropriate for this Valentine's Day episode oh, <laughs> there's, not a, there's not a darker fate than that uh it, it it's so it's well done good though and it's been so long since i saw it but i remember the first time i saw it i just kept mm. hoping i wanted that happy ending i wanted that happy ending and then it just was very bleak it was something about that one like stuck on me after for a while it was just a mood of like sadness and like almost like a dirtiness of like, oh, this yeah. is what we're doing. Like the the degree to which these human beings were just being used and abused. Because the thing that to me was the worst part of all of this 
was that as their organs were harvested one by one, they did everything they could to keep you alive so that if another organ was needed, you would be available to them. And so they right. these extremely painful ways that they were kept on to continue living their lives without everything they needed in their body was wild. So maybe if you hate Valentine's Day <laughs> and you're looking for a movie to watch, maybe this is the one for you. <laughs> this is not curl up with your date. Grab a bottle wine. of wine, sit down, turn the lights off, and just make yourself sad. But I mean, I'm I I feel like this is pretty on brand for for me. <laughs> <think so>. After <laughs> I don't think anyone's surprised that's listened to the podcast. At this point, although I could tell as I was talking and telling you guys about it in my head, things were clicking into place. And I was like, hmm, maybe I should have said some of this out loud before <laughs> choosing it for the podcast because I'm listening to myself talk. And this is this is not a Valentine's Day episode pick. But you know what? Starcross lovers, boom. We're, it, we're it, getting it. gritty this year because last year, uh, the, the Valentine's Day episode, we talked about like our favorite couples. So there's probably going to be a little bit of overlap, but yeah, like this is like taking it to that hard hitting, gut wrenching place. Hua. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know, but like my favorite was from Black Mirror last year, but it was like the one happy Black Mirror episode. Oh, so It's out there somewhere. San Junipero. Yeah. So I have a couple more. Do you have another one? I do. I've got some more. So the next one for our uh, star-crossed lovers um, I've got three dark crowns, Kendara Blake. So this is a little complicated because she does a very good job of entwining different storylines. But uh, I've read book one. There are five total um, in the series. So it's a good one to get kind of go on a deep dive on. And I cannot spoil this for you because I have no idea how it concludes. But it starts off really fantastically. And I, okay, so the premise is that there are triplets born of a queen, which means that they are the next queens, right? Like that's the tradition among these people. It's matriarchal. uh, They wait for the triplets and then the triplets are the next generation of queens. But they don't all get to rule as queens. They fight each other. Like they have to come into their powers among different uh, communities of magic. So one is a naturalist, which means she has control over like animals one is an elementalist, which means she has control over, like, weather elements, uh, elements of nature, I suppose, is where that comes from. Uh, and then the third one is poisons. So you have these three teenagers who have been developed in these different areas who are now preparing for the start of this tradition where they now have to kill each other. And the last one standing is queen. So with that as a premise... Uh, we have this boy who grows up with the naturalists and is the childhood sweetheart of the best friend of one of these triplets. So that's the first way this is a little bit complicated. But then he uh, gets like lost at sea on a trip he's taking and ends up being saved by the elementalist uh, by, by like she like powers his ship steady enough that he like makes it ashore. And they kind of have like a very lusty I almost died type of moment and uh and then it kind of just like sticks for them 
And so there's feelings there too now. And so he has to then go back to his people and he thinks he's just going to let this go and be with Jules again is her name, uh, the childhood sweetheart. But then because of these um, rituals that start happening with the triplets to kick all of this off, they start intermingling again. And it's very clearly over the series designed to be a very entangled, messy thing uh, with this love triangle. And so I got to say, though, I love... Uh, his name is Joseph with Mirabella is the uh, elementalist who saves him and kind of steals him away from his childhood sweetheart. Uh, I, they had a fun dynamic that was just kind of interesting to see. And uh, I don't know. I'm rooting for them as they get into the next books. You know, I enjoy a big mess. So this relationship is and a this huge mess. all over it. Like you love <laughs> this trope. Like there's magic and everybody's a badass, but there can be only yeah. one. Like it's uh Yeah. Like, everybody has a reason. Yeah. So, is it a trilogy or? It's five books. Five books. Okay. Are they all out right now? I had to check that. But, yes, the fifth book came out in 2019. So, you can start with Three Dark Crowns and read your way straight through. Okay. Gorgeous covers, too. Yeah. Is this, this is Young Adult? Yes, it is. Yes. Oh, fun. It's really okay. good. I love it's a good YA lovely writing. I, so, I don't know what I want to do next. <laughs> I have a couple and I have some that like when I was researching this and I was like like literally googling star-crossed lovers to see kind of get an idea of, like what was out there it was so interesting some of like the movies from my childhood that came up that I never oh. really because you know like I've seen all the random movies <laughs> yes. um like do you do you I'm not gonna really get into this one because it has been forever since I watched it and I only have vague memories, but I'm just curious if you saw it growing up. Do you remember a movie called Enemy Mine? Mm. It was about humans in this intergalactic war with these uh, like reptile people and <laughs> like they get these two guys get marooned on this planet and they like form this friendship and then one of them has a baby because the reptile people produce asexually. And then he dies and he raises his son. Like, that one kept coming up. Apparently, it has like, this huge cult following. And I was like, I've seen this movie. I know I've seen this movie. So, I'm going to have to do a rewatch. I just, I don't know. I was curious on if, if you had seen it. I don't like, know that I, one, uh, no. It's one of those random ones. It, it's super cheesy. <laughs> it, apparently, it did really well in Russia, but not so well here. Like, Sold. yeah, sure. like, it came out like 85 or something. Oh, so I don't know. Funny. I was a year old when it came out. Oh, my out. God. And another one that came up from childhood, which I know you've seen this one because everybody's seen this one, was Edward Scissorhands. Yes. And I was like, I never thought about that as like a star-crossed mm. lovers thing, but it totally is. It totally is. And like. Is it? It totally is because Edward is raised in that castle on the edge of suburbia. And then. Uh -huh. Her mom is the Avon lady and goes and brings him down and everybody turns on him. And so she goes and drops him back off. Like it's, it's, I it's really weird. Forgot like, significant parts of that plot, apparently. Yeah. Well, and like Winona Ryder's the girl, uh, Kim, and she's like real popular and they fall in love. And then one of like the neighbor ladies is like this total cougar and she like throws herself at Edward and he just like runs out. And so she starts a rumor and then. Everything kind of falls apart. And, like, 
I guess we watched it. I watched it this past holiday season. I don't know why it's considered a holiday movie. Like that makes no sense. But I watched it with my kids and I was like, I did not remember the actual plot to this movie this whole time. That's really wild. Did you see the uh super the, the Super Bowl commercial this weekend? No, but Okay. No. I you got to watch this. I was watching the Britney Spears documentary. There was a commercial for I don't know, some car. And it had um Timothy Chalamet as Okay. The son of Edward Scissorhands and uh, what's her name? And it was Winona Ryder and Timothy Chalamet. And like there was this sad thing where like like his dad, he was like this quiet, sensitive boy. And he was going around like using his weird scissor hands for all sorts of really sweet things. But he couldn't drive a car. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forget what the thing was about why he was able to drive this car exactly, but I, I'm losing all of the commercial value of this, but it was very entertaining to watch. No, that's okay, because you're making me look good, because I totally <laughs> thought I was being random, but apparently I was So timely. Not. I was on, I had my finger on the pulse of what everybody's talking so about, right and that's why I picked that yeah. one. No, it was a total <laughs> guess. Um, So my next, like, real one, though, is definitely gonna be okay and then I'll have one more after this but I feel bad because I talk about this every time because I'm obsessed you said you're obsessed with saga I feel you because I am gonna say Achilles and Patroclus from Song of Achilles with Madeline Miller who I'm obsessed with and it is just everything to me and if you're not familiar with the myth um Madeline Miller follows the general guidelines of the myth and just fleshes it out but Patroclus was a prince. His dad never really liked him. And one day a kid was picking on him like a lord's son or whatever. And he kills him on accident. Like he grabs it from him. Like I think in the original myth it's like he just killed him. But in Song of Achilles it was an accident. And so his dad ships him off to live like Achilles' dad. I'm like totally drawing a blank on his name. Was a king too. And he like took in boys like troubled boys and like trained them for the army or whatever sent him there and he befriends Achilles and so like from the time they are kids they are just inseparable and they grow up and they grow into lovers and like totally in love and then the Trojan War happens and Achilles mom who is a sea nymph has a prophecy that Achilles can either not go to war and he'll live a long life but he'll vanish into obscurity or he can go to war and he'll be on everyone's lips forever. And so Achilles decides to go to war. And then um, Agamemnon, who is kind of like the head king, almost like an emperor, like he's the reason they're going to war. He, um, one thing leads to another and he offends Achilles, like gravely offends him. And so Achilles refuses to fight. And he is like the badass of the army. And when he stops fighting, they start losing and it gets bad. And Patroclus is like base Patroclus is not a warrior and he's basically begging him like please Achilles fight like our men are dying everyone just wants to go home and Achilles is like no I'm not gonna do it this is obviously very much paraphrased <laughs> but <laughs> this is the no, worst on the page I don't think so yeah <laughs> so Patroclus puts on Achilles army uh, armor because he thinks that he'll boost the morale of the men and they'll fight harder and he goes out there and gets himself killed and so he's dead. This sends Achilles into like this rage and he goes out there and kills the guy that 
killed Patroclus and drags his dead body behind his chariot all around the wall until eventually, you know, I want to say the god Apollo helps, um, uh, what's the guy's name with the arrow? Like the pretty prince that started all this by stealing the wife, Paris. He helps, he guides Paris's arrow and it kills Achilles and Achilles dies. The war is over shortly after that but then these two aren't buried together so they're um ashes like so they can't be together in the um underworld yeah the underworld i'm really like jacking this up good y'all are just gonna have to it's trust a fantastic me on this one. book the writing is so poetic oh my god it's so good and that's why it's like such like it's almost like sinful that i'm explaining it this way i'm like no bro i'm not gonna fight and we can't be <laughs> together either so, but then, like, Achilles' mom does kind of have, like, this change of heart, and she makes an altar to Patroclus and Achilles, so they're able to be together in the underworld after all, or at least that's how I took it. And it, it just, this is one that just ripped my heart out. I thought about it for days. I made my husband read it so I could talk about it with him. Like, everybody, I'm like, you need to read Song of Achilles. Like, I will join a book club just to, like, suggest this book. <laughs> I'm that obsessed with it. A book club is why I read this book, and I was so elated about it. I didn't really fully know what I was getting into, and it was marvelous. Well, I read Cersei first, and everybody kept saying, do you like Cersei? And I'm like, yeah, I love Cersei. And they're like, oh, because I like Song of Achilles. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll probably read it. I mean, it can't be better than Cersei, because Cersei was my favorite. And then I read it, and it just slayed me. It slayed me and I loved what they did with the myth and then so I like went on this binge and started reading everything I could find and it's still just absolutely my favorite Mm, good pick see and over here I was holding off on saying anything about the night circus because I thought you were going to go there no but I did finish it um I did finish it and I loved it but Celia Marco spot on star-crossed they are star-crossed huh but although I'm going to say something like he Marco I did not love him. I thought his personality was a little thin, but everything else about it was so beautiful. I didn't even care. The book was beautiful. The story was beautiful. It had enough. It was creepy around the edges and all the right way. Like when one of the twins like stepped in front of the train and then like nobody's aging. And like it was dark enough around the edges for you to be like, who are these people over this circus? Like what the hell? But I think it was the way Marco treated what was the fortune teller? Oh, I don't remember. Do you remember her name? He, like, led her on, and, like, she basically gave her whole life to the circus to help him win the battle, and then he, like, didn't love her anymore, and then he finally just oh. finally told her, and she was the one holding it together, and she cut this thread that she'd done this enchantment, and then things started falling apart. I'm so bad at this. I forgot everything you're saying. Yeah, well, it wasn't the main plot, but that made me hate Marco a little bit because I was like, this woman has rearranged her entire life for you. She has been in the circus and you're just over here lusting after Celia, which I like Celia. She's like my favorite character, but it made me not like Marco. But and he was kind of like horrible to his um, I don't even know what you would call it. The rich guy that put on the circus. That like a master of ceremony. The magician that was Marco's mentor sent him to live with him. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like anybody that had anything to do with Marco did not end up well. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Celia, the the girl, the the um, fortune teller, his mentor. Like it's just like 
okay, look out for Marco. But then again, that's just my opinion. People people love him. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I know. Well, I, I like the setup of their story so much in that, uh, you know, they've got these warring magicians who both take an apprentice in the uh, ultimate show of their capabilities was supposed to be what they could teach to their apprentices and then have their apprentices war each other and then the apprentices fall in love uh it was lovely and then the uh, the displays that they have that they put together for each other and i i, I thought it was really beautiful the way that she kind of started this as this competition and everything was so ornate and elegant in these magical displays that they do but then over time it became like this like love note to each other it was it was very cool. I would go one step further and say it became a love note and then it became a cage. Mm. Like once they kind of realized exactly what it meant to be in this contest and what it would take to win and everybody was trying to hold it together. I really liked it. I feel like the plot was good, but the plot wasn't even what made it good. It was just the writing was so pretty and the circus was so amazing. You could just see it in your head and the way the story unfolds is non-linear. And that really just added a whole new layer to it. That would that's definitely like on my suggestion list if you if someone's looking for something to read. So here's something. I read a lot of lists, making sure I didn't leave any stones unturned for this. And a title that I kept seeing on these lists was Wuthering Heights. And Oh yeah. You really think I was kind of thinking like these folks aren't star-crossed they're just shitty people surrounded by more shitty people okay first off <laughs> shut up no, I'm joking. i love the book but that's the plot <laughs> they are terrible people they are terrible people but let me tell you in this ted talk i am gonna make you understand why wuthering heights is the best <laughs> book no, i'm joking i'm ready Inspire this is me. my this book is my everything okay it's bad they're all bad <laughs> Like, you, I can't write. I have wanted, like, my heart project would be to somehow adapt this to modern day, but there's just no way to do it justice because it's so, they are so toxic. They are so toxic. First off, you have this rich family, Kathy's family. It's been a while. I own, like, eight copies of this book, but I need to rewatch and I need to reread and all that stuff. But they are wealthy. They're not the most wealthy, but they're wealthy. Dad is a relatively good person. He's a little bit of a drunk, but he's happy and he wants, you know, the best for his son and the best for Kathy. And he just lets them run wild. And apparently there's like no mom. I think she probably died in childbirth or something because she's, you know, it's gothic. Yeah, Yeah, she did. So he brings home Heathcliff one day who um, is just like this, this dark and brooding little boy. And the son is instantly like jealous. Because the dad just kind of fawns over this orphan boy that he brings home. And then other people in that work for the dad, like the vicar, I think is what it's called, the religious dude. Yeah, he was the worst. Yeah, they all treat Heathcliff like shit. Like, why do you think you're not a master in this house? But but the, the one that owns the house treats him like a son. And Kathy treats him like a best friend. And they are best friends until Kathy falls for the Linton. neighbor boy. Yes, she falls for him. Heathcliff is jealous. Kathy doesn't owe Heathcliff anything. She can fall for whoever she wants, but she still leads him on, which is pretty shitty. So Heathcliff's like, all right, peace out. And Heathcliff leaves. Well, while Heathcliff is gone, 
Kathy is very realizes she made a mistake. She's not happy in her marriage. This isn't the life she wants. She wanted to be the wild girl running around on the moors. And Heathcliff is like building his fortune. This is again the paraphrase. The dad dies. Heathcliff comes back. He makes it his life's goal to anybody that crossed Heathcliff is on Heathcliff's shit list. He systematically ruins people from this point forward. Him and Kathy still have this tumultuous thing. Kathy dies and then Heathcliff goes even further and wants to ruin. Well, wait, Heathcliff marries somebody and has a son who is sickly. He completely mistreats his son, completely irredeemable in the way he treats his kid. Kathy dies. He completes, completely mistreats Kathy's daughter, tricks, tricks her into marrying his son so he can hold them captive. Like, it is just bad. And it just keeps going. But it's like they, they turned him into this monster. I mean, he had it in him, but they kind of created a monster. And then he, every night, basically sleeps in Kathy's old room and gets drunk and is like, if you're a ghost, haunt me because I cannot live without you. I will take you in any form I can get you. Just be a ghost. Come back to my window. It is, <laughs> it is so toxic, but I love this story. But they're not star-crossed lovers. Mm, they're they okay I'm gonna argue I'm gonna think they are because he is the orphan boy that the dad brought home and she is the rich girl that's got to marry somebody of her standing and he loves her and she loves him mm. I don't think there's any real love happening no he she just wants everybody like she just wants to be everybody's like number one that's what she wants maybe so but I don't know I don't know and then he they're just two toxic people doing toxic exactly. shit to each other. And then one of them dies. I rest my case. But they're also lovers. And she dies. And he... I don't know. <laughs> if they're star-crossed, it's because they made themselves that way. Right. Right. Like, the whole idea... Like, it's supposed to be, like, the external world tearing you apart. And you're doing everything you can to be together, right? But they are so self-destructive and so, like, co-destructive in their little web. It's so... Yeah, it is definitely a web. You hit the nail on the head. It is a web of lies and <laughs> deceit and hate. Yes, it is a hate, hate web. web, but I'm here for it. <laughs> that would be the modern day title for Wuthering Heights. <laughs> hate web. I read that. A story. <laughs> so I'm going to call it. <gasps> All right. So my, I got another one. I got a good one. I got a happy one. Okay, it's Doctor Who. We are, no surprises here. <laughs> so, do you know about River Song and you know about 10 and 11? No, you do yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, You're talking okay. About... Okay. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. River Song. No, I'm... Is the Doctor's... I'm thinking Firefly. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I'm not going to try to explain this too much because it gets really complicated. It's not complicated if you watch the show, but if you try to explain it after, it gets really confusing. But... In a nutshell, River and the Doctor are in love, but they live on opposite timelines. So whenever they meet, it's further along for one of them than the other. That's amazing. And yeah, it is. So one of them knows the ending and one of them knows the beginning and they're going backwards and they have a journal that they keep and they pass back and forth. And whenever they spend too much time together talking, one will be like, eh, 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 spoilers, <laughs> Because they can't know. Because they're both time travelers. Oh, my God. 
And so the show is never linear. So they're both time travelers doing different things. But one has been at the end of their relationship and life. And the other has been at the beginning. So the further they go along in the relationship, it's the it's newer for one of them. And it's older for the other. You're breaking my yeah, brain. Wrap your Hold head on. around it. Wait, because if they're both time travelers, <laughs> so like maybe they've been to different times, but they keep, they're moving in different directions. Yeah. I, they're time travelers moving in different directions. There are fixed points in time. It's a whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole thing. It's going to keep me up There's fixed points in time that never move and can never change. I will go one step further. She is the daughter, the grown daughter of one of his companions who got pregnant on the TARDIS. <laughs> and so she was like this time baby or something. I don't know. So she's an adult and he's an adult, but... They're moving in separate directions. And she knows, I think he, she knows the ending because they'll like reference it. Like it's their last time together, but it was also, it's a, it's been a while. You need to watch oh, it though. Man. Yeah. River Song. I don't know if I can handle she that. She makes her first appearance in Silence of the Library with David Tennant, who is 10. But the majority of her story arc is with Eleven, who is Matt Smith. I think she has a cameo or two in a Capaldi episode, which is 12. I don't think she's been in any 13s, but um, she is one of my absolute favorite characters. Um, they're star-crossed because there's no way. I mean, if you're living your life backwards to someone else, there's no way there's a happy ending there. No. It's it's, it's like Benjamin Button, yeah. but timelines. Yeah, it's your timelines. It's not your age. It's your timelines. That's Oof. right. Which is, it's bananas. I love this, and I'm having a really hard time <laughs> with it. Uh, but speaking of time-traveling, star-crossed lovers, another one that fits into that little niche is the time-traveler's wife. And I don't know that it's one of my favorites, oh, yeah. but I think it's one of the most interesting. Not as interesting as this Doctor Who, though. I'm really hooked on this concept. Okay, so here's the thing with Doctor Who, though, you have to know. There are genius episodes that are freaking amazing and then there's episodes that aren't amazing but are really cheesy and entertaining and have like cat nuns in them <laughs> which are like cats that are people that are nuns yeah so if you ever want to watch it i have to like curate we're gonna have to do this a list. we should do that like this needs to happen this year like send me a list okay. we'll do it challenge accepted okay. okay okay i know what i want you to watch first okay. but i'll tell you about that okay. later yeah so the time traveler's wife yeah. It's been a long time since I've read it. And I don't even remember their names. I don't either, but it's one of my friends, um, uh, Rhonda Parrish, who is an editor for World Weaver. This is like her number one absolute favorite book of all really? times. Like she, yeah. So I think it probably warrants. It's very, a it's very poetic. Um, it's very, it's kind of like forlorn, which is very appropriate for this novel because it's about this couple. And how they fell in love and how they came to know each other. And he has this, um, essentially, like, some sort of, like, condition where he is thrust through time against his will at various points. And so he knew her when she was, like, a little girl at one point because he got thrown back on her timeline. Um, and then, like, another t and But, like, at the time in the real, like their natural projection he, where he disappears from is like a few years into their marriage. Uh, and so like 
I, like things like that were like she doesn't realize that's who she met then but like he gets thrown back and sees it later Until and so there's later. some of that like mind bendy time travel goodness in there but also um you know like they're trying to have this relationship and live their lives and he just disappears at sudden moments without warning and no one knows where he goes or when he'll come back and doesn't she remember from when she was a little girl don't she remember him like showing up stabbed at some point or something. And so they're kind of like waiting for that to yes. happen. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. I remember the dark yeah. side. I remember the So side. it's really, it's a smart concept. It's executed in a very human, poetic way. Um, I think the thing with me is if we're going with Audrey Niffenegger, my favorite book of hers is her feel, fearful symmetry with the twins and the magic and the haunting and all of that stuff. Um, but she has a way with characters for sure. The relationship in that and that book was a trip, too. And I'll tell you, I started her Fearful Symmetry, set it down, and we had, like, a random conversation about it one day. And I was like, wait, what? And you were like, yeah. And I was like, wait, I didn't make it that far. And I only finished it because you told me. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so, so good. crazy. I'm not even going to start talking about yeah. it because <laughs> it, it's something you just have to experience. But it took some twists that I could not have ever expected. And it's so worth it. And you it. know, though, it still manages to be pretty quiet as far as a book goes. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's pacing in the way it pays attention to its characters and their quirks and everything. Definitely. It has a very literary bent to it, but it's very good. And that title is like everything. <laughs> so I love that. Her Fearful Symmetry. <laughs> Absolutely. It's amazing. All right. I'm getting, I'm paring down my list here. I've got just a couple more. Okay, this is like my ADHD brain. This is like two conversations ago and has nothing to do with anything. But, you know, like River Song back with Doctor Who. We were talking about that 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Time travel. You're hopping around in your brain. That's good. All right. (laughs) Her name originally was Melody Pond. (laughs) And it got changed to River Song because she was like taken by this alien race. And that was the translation. That's and great. I remember when I found that out, I was like, what? That's really funny. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, um, okay, so another one that I think really merits mention is um, June and Day from Legend by Marie Lou. Have you read this? No, I have right. not. Well, Tell me. I picked this up because Marie Lou gets so much hype, and I was too curious about what it was all about. And it's a really fun story. It's got a lot of action in it. It's very YA sci-fi. And I, it's about this... Uh, world where the Republic has taken over everything. And um, so there's kind of like the haves and the have nots going on. And so in the center, uh, June is part of the privileged who get really great education and really intensive training and kind of join the military and get to be it's like great leaders and everything. And she's like this little prodigy from the start. And so she's already set this goal for herself of there's this most wanted criminal who apparently is really notorious for being able to weasel his way from the soldiers and make these grand escapes. But she's like setting all these records and training and she's like, I'm going to be the one who gets them. Then we have Day, who is that most wanted criminal. And you get his slice into his life and you start to realize like he's just on the outskirts of town where they have like hardly anything. They're extremely poor. They're just scraping by. The reason he is a criminal in the first place is because he's trying to feed his family, like all of that sort of stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. he is, you know, this sweet kid who's just a teenager trying to make his, you know, 
help his family survive. And um, their paths cross because June runs away after her brother dies because this like conspiracy of lies is exposed as she starts to dig into because uh, her older brother was this great leader and she was going to follow in his footsteps um, within the uh, army. And he gets killed. She starts to kind of pull up the thread. It starts to become clear that what they say killed him is not what killed him. And it seems like maybe it was an inside job. And so she runns off. Uh, and then Day ends up kind of helping her out because she gets herself into some trouble because she doesn't know what it's like on the outskirts. And, um, and all of this is like totally anonymous. She makes it through the night because of him and uh, ends up going back. And then she joins the ranks of the army and is then pursuing this most wanted criminal and, like, discovers in the chase that it's the same guy. And so, like, this is all pretty quickly into the plot. Um, And so then she's left with a lot to wrestle with. And he feels like he's been conned, uh, that she was kind of there spying on him. And so it's a little bit fraught, but it's very good. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm going to definitely add that to my To Be Read pal and Goodreads because... A lot of my research turns up a lot of fantasy books, but not a lot of just like straight science fiction. And sometimes you just really need to scratch that itch. Yeah. You know, you need a space opera. You need, you need that. And I love that trope too. Like, oh, I'm hunting for the criminal. Oh, this is the heart of gold that helped me. Oh <laughs> shit. It's the criminal. <laughs> like what the do you bad do person's good. What do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> it has almost like an Aladdin vibe to it. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a good one. It's It's got a lot of adventure in it. All right. So what do you got left? Should we do top favorites? Number ones? Um, do you have more? Well, probably River Song was my favorite. But I do have another one that I really like that actually just kind of popped in my head a minute ago. I was like, oh, my God. When you were talking about like really explaining Star Cross Lovers what the true definition was. And I was like, okay, that exists. And this is a book that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about, but that I enjoyed. And it's called The Reincarnation Blues by Michael Poor. And it's about this guy named Milo. And he keeps, he's like one of the oldest souls to live. And he has to like earn, you have to earn your way up into like just being part of the universe and stop going back. But he hasn't done that yet. He kind of enjoys going back. But part of the reason is because every time he dies and he comes back, death is waiting on him. And he's kind of fallen in love with her. And she, like, appears as a woman. She's death. She can be a woman, Woo-hoo. a man. She can be an animal, whatever. But she appears as a woman because that's who he likes in this this particular place. And it's just the stories of him going back. And sometimes he goes back and it is... And it's funny because it's not linear, the times you go back. Time is not... A line it's not a circle it's like a web so every time you go in this river to go back and live another life and a chance to redeem yourself it could be anywhere and so sometimes he is on a spaceship a thousand years in the future and sometimes he is in like an ancient world he's like a caveman and everything in between like one time he's like a serial killer and like but he does like this good thing and like saves the school bus like it's all over the place in the best way. And you have to read it to find out if he ends up with death or not. Um, but, I mean, like, how can you end up with, like, it, it is like the definition of star cross. You fall in love with mm-hmm. death. And so you keep living these lives over and over just so that you can be with her it's again. so dark. Yeah, but it's, it's not, it doesn't 
feel like a dark book when you're reading it. Like it's, it's got a lot of humor in it. Now it has dark places and it goes some pretty gross places in some of these lives. Like, cause he's in like these space prisons and like some of the stuff they're forced to eat and like battle and like it's bananas. Like it is very imaginative, but there, there is a lot of humor. Like I think the first life he lives in the book, he gets like eaten by a shark or something. <laughs> like it's not all like tragic. And like, um, the voice of the book, I think is what drew me in. It's very just like, you know, this is Milo. He's one of the oldest, uh, souls around. And like in the first chapter, in the first story, like Milo has a dog. And then like the narrator is like, this is actually such and such. He's a dog. This is actually a, uh, not a punishment. It is a reward <laughs> being able to live as a dog. And then like the dog licks a bandaid off the hospital floor. Like it's pretty, it, it's, it's great. And like, I really didn't hear a lot of people talk about I've it. I've never heard of it. And yeah. I, I've never read anything else by the author. I, it's one that I kind of picked up on a whim at the library. Remember going to the library? Oh my God. Like in, <laughs> It's been a little while. It's been a couple years. I think I read it in 2019. I had to go to a place for an appointment today, and it was weird. I had to, like, get on Metro <laughs> and, like, talk to humans. I had to go through, like, a metal detector. Oh, my God. It was a whole thing. And I came back home, and I was just like, oh, my God. Why did we ever do this? It's so much. <laughs> <laughs> Reintegrating into society is going to definitely be very It's going to be ugly is what it's going to be. I am not going to be a happy camper between the commuting and all of the people around me. No, it's going to be bad. I'm so ready. Like, I, but I, you know, I don't live in as crowded of a place. So I think you like people though, too. It's just like a fundamental thing. Like, I'm like, oh my God. Like I get peopled out on Zoom meetings most days still. I'm like, that's different though. That's hard. That's easy. I totally get it. Cause I like people. I'm an extroverted introvert. Like I don't want to be the center of attention. I don't even care if you talk to me. I just want to be around people. I like the energy. Yeah. But when I'm on zoom with a group, even a group, I like like 10 minutes and I'm like, this is the most exhausting (laughs) shit I've ever had to do in my life because you're seeing yourself. I don't want to watch myself the whole time. Like that's horrible. Like Ugh. And like, not that I think I look bad, but it's just like, you start kind of like, oh yeah. Like we're all just zoning out, ourselves, like picking yourself sure apart. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like you watching everybody else and like, there's not that connection and there's not that like, I don't know. There's like no nuance. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I, I feel like everybody's kind of talking at each mm-hmm. other. I don't know. It's yeah. different. It's a lot. All right. I feel better. Yeah. Also with my ADHD, like I, I zone out. So I'm like, forever like don't know what's going on and I'm like um I'm constantly taking notes that I can't even read later because it helps me like stay there I need to do that it's the, like That's a good literally hack. my handwriting is so bad can't even read it later half the time but I can remember most of it at least because I was there not like wandering off in my head <laughs> So yeah it's been I had my to trip. write a note for my kid for school and um I'm like the vice principal's there and I give it to her. I'm like, you probably can't read my, you can't read my writing. I, it's, it's, I write like a serial killer. And she's like, what? I was like, you yeah, know, like a serial killer, messy handwriting. And she's like, you could have said a doctor. And I was like, oh yeah, I could have said a doctor. <laughs> I'm a writer. I'm sorry. I'm leaving now. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if serial killers even have messy handwriting. Like, I have no idea where that came from. I was you know just. What? If we're putting money on it, I'm going to say it's extremely tidy. <laughs> 
Honestly, I didn't even get my I didn't even get my um <laughs> expression right then. <laughs> I still like it though. It's like your writing is not like a serial killer. Your writing is terrible. <laughs> you should work on your penmanship if you're gonna make that comparison. If only we all had handwriting like serial killers. We'd all <laughs> everything would be solved. We'd be able to read everything. There'd never be questions. So I remember as a kid, I don't remember what movie or book or whatever this was out of. Probably some Christopher Pike novel because I was obsessed. Do you remember those? They were like R.L. Stein, but a little bit more like there was like making out in them and like smoking, like stuff. I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is what's cool. <laughs> I was like, this is what teenagers do. <laughs> he sounds like a great influence. And there, yeah, and like a killer in a. One of the books, who knows? There was like so many. It was probably a hitchhiker because it was always a hitchhiker. Like cut out letters from magazine and like glued it to paper to like write the note or whatever. To thank people who gave him rights places. So, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> but I remember thinking it was the coolest thing and I wanted to send a letter like that. And then I was like, hmm. That's the whole story. There's nothing else. There's no punchline. <laughs> I'm very tired. (laughs) All right. Well, should we wrap this up? I'll tell you my number one of all time. Yeah, you should tell us your number one in order since I told my number one as my (laughs) next to last one. So Okay, well, and I I hold on to it for two reasons. One is because it's the number one, so we're kind of doing the loose countdown thing. But more, it was because this is kind of like that low-hanging fruit one that everyone's going to say. So, like, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. And... Katniss and Peeta is still one of my favorite couples of all time for Hunger Games. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're the epitome of Starcrossed because they have to kill each other. And so, like, and I just think that the way that Suzanne Collins navigated the, uh, the suspense of, like, is Peeta playing the game? Is he making these declarations because he means it? Like, all of that sort of stuff was done so masterfully um, to keep the suspense going and to keep them from fully trusting each other. Um, and it, you it just the way that it kind of like fractured any chance that they had at a good relationship for so long was so amazing. It was done very well. And it's so funny. This is your number one, because I actually asked, I was talking to my agent and I was like, Starcross lovers in science fiction fantasy. What do you got? And she was like, hunger games. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. My son is obsessed, which makes me happy because he, I've had the books like forever since they came out and he recently read them. And then I bought him the new one, which I haven't read yet. The prequel. Oh, have you read no. It? For some reason, I did not have a drive to pick up the prequel. He said it was very good, but it was not, it wasn't like, it wasn't the same. You know, it was good for what it was, but it wasn't like the same. Like he had to get through the trilogy as fast as possible. Yeah. Oh my God. Know? Okay. I read that first book. I picked it up at the library. So I was behind on the first okay. book, but then like once I started reading it, I was like, how did I not know about this? We were in Omaha, Nebraska at the time, and it was the dead of freaking winter. And it was like dark. It must have been like eight o'clock at night. And I finished this book and I was like, I need the rest of this series right now. And so we drove out in the dark. It was snowing in Nebraska to get to Barnes and Noble and get the rest of the series. I bought all three books that night. That's how you know it's a good book. It was so good. See, my story was similar. I found it. Um, we were on our way to Galveston, Texas, actually. And I was like, oh, this book looks good. I'll get it for vacation or whatever. It was at like a Target or something. And I just grabbed it. And like 
I read it all of vacation. Like, I did not. My kids were little. I was like, tag, you're it. Justin, you have to be the parent because I'm just going to sit here and read Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was good because it was like I had kind of not fallen out of love with reading because that never really happens, but you'll get in slumps. Like there's definitely peaks and valleys and there's always that book that brings you back out of your slump. And that was one that did it for me because I had just kind of been in this, like it had been a while since I'd read anything that I really loved. And then I, and that kind of like was opened a whole new genre up to me. That was like the first like dystopian. And then that, suddenly there was like all these dystopian books and I couldn't get them fast enough. And so, yeah, definitely. I think that is definitely the number one for many reasons. Um, everybody, you know, everybody's seen it. I would love to hear people's thoughts. People have really strong opinions about the Hunker Games now. But people have really strong Everything. opinions about all the books that kind of came out in that <laughs> yeah. time. All right. Sh- send us your takes. <laughs> Don't sound so excited. <laughs> I'm like, afraid. <laughs> so did we forget anybody? I would love to hear from our listeners who their favorite star-crossed lovers in science fiction and fantasy were. I know, like, we didn't even break into, like, television shows. Yeah. So there's... So many, so many. And my problem with picking someone from like, tele- well, besides Doctor Who, that's a television show. But my problem with picking people from television shows is the way I watch television is I typically binge it and then I move on to something else. And so I, there's only so <laughs> much room. There's out. only so much room up here. So I remember like, I remember it, but not deeply. Like the show Fringe came up and I was like, okay, I know I'll watch oh, all of this. Goodness. But I don't remember anything about That's a good it. one, actually. Yeah, I remember loving it, but no, I like I for Star Cross Lovers. That's a good one. Oh yeah, yeah. I have to rewatch anyway. So yeah, I want to know who we forgot, and I want to know um, if you agree with any of ours. Give us your your hot takes Which, for uh, Wuthering Heights too. We're on it. <laughs> but be nice. <laughs> I'm here be to nice. fight. This is my hill that I want to die on, but I don't want to die today. So <laughs> let's just. We all agree they're toxic and terrible, but it's okay. They're my toxic, terrible children that I saw. <laughs> Let's remember where this all started. It started with love. It started with love. All right. Well, give us reviews. Follow us and subscribe. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. 